Hey, as a duct tape marketing listener, we know you're always on the lookout for ways to more efficiently scale your business. That's why I'm so excited to chat about I Digress, another show on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Troy Sandridge, host of I Digress, talks all about how you can eliminate complexity, complications, and confusion from your business equation and create clarity to streamline strategy solutions that achieve scalable and sustainable success. Check out episode 24. Start there. 14 minutes or so. Strategy is power. You know I love that idea. So listen, learn, and grow with I Digress on the HubSpot Podcast Network at HubSpot.com slash podcast network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Dory Clark. She's a Duke and Columbia University business professor, ranked one of the top 50 thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50. She's also the author of Reinventing You and Stand Out. I think she's been on this show for both of those books. But she's back with another book called The Long Game, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World. So, Dory, welcome back to the show. John, I am always so glad to talk with you. So do you think the world really needs another Get Rich Quick book, Dory? <laughs> There's pl plenty, plenty of them out there. So I, I, just, I decided to, to write a Get Rich Slow book. That was my innovation, John. Yeah. So I'm sure that some of the pushback will be, I totally love this book, and I love, the obviously, the idea behind the book. But doesn't the world just want you know, quick fixes as you toured out in a short-term world? Is this going to fly? I think the world definitely wants quick fixes. I, I think even I, everybody does. It's, it's yeah. human nature that you want things yesterday. Um, the reason I wrote the book, though, is that if we actually can have everything tomorrow, mazel, that's wonderful. I would like that to happen, too. But what I often see, and I've experienced this certainly myself and with the clients that I work with, um, oftentimes it just turns out that things take longer than we want them to yeah. and it becomes really frustrating and in the moment it is very hard to tell the difference between is it not working or is it not working yet yeah. and i wanted to write a book to help people understand how to make those distinctions so that they don't give up too quickly on viable ideas and concepts and can actually keep going and persist and have the faith to get over the finish line with the things that are actually most important to them. Yeah, and, and, and patience is a real virtue in, in this uh, thinking. I know in my years of being in business, whenever I got impatient because I wanted something to have faster, happen faster, or I couldn't wait for somebody to say, hey, I'll get back to you in a week or whatever it was, it never went as well. And you do learn that sometimes stuff needs to bake a while, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. In the book, I actually talk about a concept called strategic patience. Right. And I tried to separate it out because patience is frustrating, right? I don't love patience. I wish we didn't have a need for it. But I think the way that many of us think about patience is this kind of lean back. Oh, we'll just wait and maybe good things will happen. Right. And especially for entrepreneurs, like that ain't cool. That's not how we're wired. And, it, and frankly, it's just not that helpful anyway to engage in wishful thinking. Strategic patience 
is biding your time while you're testing things, you're evaluating things, and constantly taking in data so that you can understand, all right, have the circumstances changed? Because if they have, I will change my approach. But if they haven't, and I'm just getting restless, well, then maybe I need to, to keep going a little bit longer and make sure that I'm doing what needs to be done. So, so you've written some books that are certainly entrepreneurial, but they're also somewhat personal, reinventing you and stand out. We're written to the person in some ways, as opposed to maybe the business. And I, I get the sense in this that you're talking to the thinker, the person. And so tell me if that's, if I'm picking up on that, is that really, is this meant to be a more personal book or is this how to build a business book? Yeah, this is very much a, a book for individuals. Yeah. And as with all things, personal lessons bleed over into, mm -hmm. into creating a good business. But ultimately, it's intended as a guide for in intelligent individuals so that they can really think through, what do I want my life to look like? What do right. I want my career and my business to look like? And how can I make the choices to enable that to happen? How can I make sometimes, and this is the key, right? How do I make choices that sometimes seem boring, frustrating, pointless, and, but you do it in the moment to make tomorrow easier and better? Yeah, and I guess that was my point was that this would be this is a book, a set of tools in a way that could be used by anyone in many circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. So you have a lot of you could literally just take the titles of your chapters and they're really big ideas that you've woven together, in my opinion. But the first one is not such a big idea that I want to focus on. And the reason I say that is because everybody says this, no one does it. And that's the that's the idea of saying no. A lot of times we we don't get to live the life that we want to live because we're living somebody else's life. And I wonder what I mean, you offer some great ideas in this, but why is this so hard for people? Oh boy. You put your finger on something important, John, which is I really wanted to start with the question of how to say no, because it's in some ways self-evident, but it's worth highlighting that it is almost impossible for us to be able to fulfill our own dreams and right. do what we want to do proactively if literally all our time is taken up with everybody else's agenda. So yeah. we have to create enough white space in our schedule so that we actually have the bandwidth to pursue the things that are important to us. So that's really step one in the process. Why is it so hard? There's a few reasons. And of course, the, the obvious one that people point to, I have so many things. I have so many meetings. I have so many emails. And that is not wrong. You do. Uh, a McKinsey study says that we that most professionals spend about 28% of their time, so literally a third of our time is spent on email these days, which is painful. Uh, a study by the Atlassian Group says the average professional has 62 meetings per month. You can just think yeah, about yeah. that. It sounds like, oh my God, so many. But it's two or three a day, which I think most of us probably, in fact, do have. So that's part of it. But also, it goes a little bit deeper, as I discuss in the book, because the truth is, studies have shown that, especially in American culture, there is a real tight linkage between feeling busy, being perceived as busy, and being seen as high status and valuable. And so for a lot of us, honestly, even though we say we don't want to be that busy, there are, there are emotional benefits that come, to, that come with being busy because, frankly, we don't have to ask difficult questions about whether we're doing the right thing. We don't have to feel like we don't know what, you know, what to do. And secondly, we can rest comforted and assured that, oh, people need us. We're in demand. We're valuable. Yeah, and I think 
isn't there also an element of fear? They'll stop asking. And then, and then what am I going to do? Oh my gosh, that's so right. There's a section in the book where I profile a woman named Sam Horn, who's an entrepreneur. And Sam ended up writing a book, which I love the title. It's called Someday is Not a yeah, Day of the Week. Yeah, yeah. And she tells this story about how she came to, uh, to to do her, quote unquote, year by the water, where she was living in different cities, always by a lake, by a river. It was a dream of hers. Um and she said that she had this revelatory moment where she was just so burned out. And her son said to her, Mom, what I don't understand is you're an entrepreneur. You have total control over your schedule. And yet you, you've brought yourself to this point where you're so exhausted, you can barely get on the plane. And she said she realized that, yeah, that she was doing it to herself. And so she put a date on the calendar. And she said she was really panicked that people would stop calling. But uh, she realized that was not true, and she made the decisive effort to actually pursue what she wanted to do. Thankfully, she did it pre-COVID, so she was uh, she was able to really get it done. Yeah. And I think as an entrepreneur, I know sometimes we never are satisfied. We're never done. It's never cooked all the way. We're, there's always one more iteration we could do. At least I feel some pressure with that. So sometimes I think it's it becomes this ingrained almost habit to to even think, oh, can I take five days off and do this trip I want to do? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. And, and I think that I think we have to somehow break that habit. That's exactly right. in the long game. I actually talk about what I call thinking in waves. Yeah. And basically what that means is that a mistake that I see a lot of people make is that they get so used to operating in one mode, they never shift to the next mode and it ends up really hampering them in some ways. And so we need to be conscious that you can't be in sprint mode forever. It's true, of course, you can't be in marathon mode either all the yeah. time because there are moments such as book launches like yours and mine, John, <laughs> where you have to go a little nuts. But if you're like that all the time, it is not going to go well. You pace yourself and you think in waves so that you have the ability to carve out time for different parts of your life. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. HubSpot's CRM platform is easy to adopt. And there are really two reasons, two features that make this possible. The contact timeline and the mobile app and mobile keyboard. HubSpot's contact timeline gives you the historical context you need to get the work done and connect with customers because all of your customer data is in one place. It can serve as a single source of truth. In HubSpot, you can take an action right from the contact timeline. Make a call, enroll a contact in a sequence, schedule a meeting, you've got it. And if you're on the go, you just use the mobile app to make it all happen and keep everything up to date. You don't have to spend a lot of time training your team. You can be sure that all the contact information is going into one system, making your team more efficient. Look, better adoption with a CRM leads to better data richer insights, and a bigger impact on your customer experience. Learn more about how you can scale your company without scaling complexity at HubSpot.com. You always need a good sports analogy for these things, these types of discussions. And I heard somebody say this, and I thought, that's it's so obvious, but it's so brilliant, too, is that professional athletes, people who perform at the highest level, they may play 27 downs, all of which are about you know six to seven seconds in a football, typical football game, and that's when they're at peak performance. The rest of the time they are practicing, they're working on their craft, or they're resting. <laughs> and and I think that there's an entrepreneurial parallel to that idea of, and, and it's one of, the, one of the ideas in the book that I really love. And that is we have to intentionally take time 
to think. If all you have is 15 minutes between your next meeting, you're probably not going to innovate much, are you? Yeah, that's exactly right. And one of the points that I really try to hammer home in the long game is that no one is going to give you this time either. This is never going to be handed to us on a platter. Uh, What it means to live in a short-term world is that if left to our own devices, if we don't plan it out, we are going to be buffeted in the waves like a jellyfish. We're going to be subject to everybody else's agenda. So we have to get very conscious about what we want to carve out for ourselves. Time for rest, time for thinking, time for strategic planning, because we know it's valuable, but it is never going to happen unless we fight for it. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that people underestimate is I think we, we teach people to treat us that way, don't we, in some ways. I know that sounds a little harsh to say it that way, but if we keep saying yes and we keep – I tell people all the time, is, particularly when it comes to like clients, they will take as much as you'll give them. And so it's how do you – so how do you set some of what you're – in saying no, giving yourself time to think is about setting boundaries. So how do you start establishing those boundaries? Yeah, it's so important. And I think you're exactly right, John. So I'll give you a a very personal example. This is something that I wrote about recently in Fast Company. But during the first few months of the pandemic, probably like everybody, I was I was a little freaked out that the entire economy was going to just shut down forever. So I decided that the, the obvious remedy was to earn all of the money that that I would you know possibly need to earn for the rest of my life i'm like i will earn it in the next two months <laughs> <laughs> and of course you can imagine how this went i'm working like 80 hours a week i just drove myself insane and as as things progressed and i realized oh this pandemic actually is a marathon right the yeah. sprint is over we're gonna have to deal with this I decided that I needed to find a way to just turn the lever down a little bit because it was not sustainable to be working that much. So I decided last September to start taking Fridays off. And this is not an easy thing. Inevitably, the universe is going to test you. Like the the day you declare a a new potential client is, oh, can you have a call on Friday? And then your best client is, oh, can we reschedule for Friday? And so you have to really withstand it. And sometimes it's a matter of just literally having scripts. Sometimes it's knowing when to be flexible because it's true. I have not taken every single Friday off. There's times it was when the studio was available for recording the audiobook of the long game. I'm like, okay, well, that seems important. I'll do it on a Friday. But I would say 95% of the time I've been able to do it. But it really is, first of all, making the declaration. Number two, it's planning it out far enough in advance so that there's not the kind of immediate, oh, but I can't because of next week. It's like, okay, plan it a month out, plan it two months out. You keep it clear moving forward. And then number three, it's just being as vigilant as possible with, with an asterisk. So what I will tell important clients or prospects now is I'll say, look, if, if it's really essential we talk on Friday, I'm glad to talk on Friday. But if it's possible to do it Thursday or Monday, that's much better for me. Please let me know. And no one ever responds badly to that. Yeah, yeah. This goes, I think you were headed down this path, and this goes right in line with kind of saying no. And, and you have a chapter on goals, on setting the right uh, goals. And I think that's probably, I think a lot of people can fundamentally understand this idea of, yeah, okay, I do need to say no to things. I can maybe set boundaries on some of the things I'll say no. But when you inject the word right into the goal conversation, it gets a lot tougher for people. Because it's like, what do you want to be in life kind of question. What's your approach to being able to identify what those right goals are? Yeah, one of the strategies that I talk about, actually, because I, I do, you're right, you're right, it does sound uh, a little high pressure. But in, in the long game, I actually try to de-stress it in some ways because 
I, I think that one of the most important points that I really try to emphasize is the importance of having an experimental mindset about it, right. about all of this, because we don't know. We don't know what's going to take off. We don't know what's going to work. We don't know how things are going to shake out. So I actually have a whole section where I encourage people very specifically to adopt in their own businesses and in their own professional lives the 20% time policy that Google made famous. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I've done personally. But I think it's really important to to appreciate the mechanism behind it because the 20% actually is perfect for this. Because if you spend 20% of your time or your money or whatever on something and it fails, that is not enough to break you. No one is going to be destroyed by that. It will be annoying, but it's not terrible. But on the other hand, 20% actually is enough that if you spend if you spend some time, if you spend some months or some years on it, depending on the nature of the project, it's actually enough to build up so that it really could become your next big thing. Mm -hmm. And so it is a recipe against stagnation, which I think is really important. And especially for people like entrepreneurs who often really like the next thing, it's almost a way to allow yourself to indulge in shiny objects without letting them get out of control. 70 days. That's 20% uh, of a year, right? There we go. <laughs> that sounds, if you tell somebody I need you to take the next two and a half months and work on something, that would sound like a big commitment, wouldn't it? So I, I like this idea of experimental mindset because I do think that I do think that's a healthy way to approach it. And like you said, with some, with some rails on it, but because it, I think sometimes we're afraid to experiment or, or we're afraid to look at experiments as just data points. It, it really can be, it can be a way for you to decide what you don't want to do. Oh my gosh, it's even more important as yeah. a way of understanding what you don't want to do. Just thinking about all, we never calculate this part, but if you can think about, wow, all the time, all the energy that I've saved by not, whatever, going back to school for that degree or right. by not getting that certification or by not launching that product line that it turns out that, oh my gosh, no one actually wanted anyway. Like it's, it's massive if we actually think about it. And it's one of the most valuable things we can do is just ruling things out. So my, one of my favorite uh, concepts uh, chapter in the book is this idea of strategic leverage. I think probably one of the keys to the long game is, is the momentum and the leverage that it does over time bring you. Um, uh, repeatedly, people have asked me, they seem to see that I have a lot out there, a lot of content, a lot of books, whatever stuff out there. And they're like, how do you get it all done? And to me, the leverage is that I podcast Yes, it brings me an audience now. Thank goodness it brings me actually a revenue stream as well. But I podcasted because it actually allowed me to talk to people like you. It allowed me to talk to people that furthered my career in a way. And it ultimately then produced content and produced revenue as well. And I, I think that's, to me, that's the ultimate leverage is that everything you do could or should have multiple purpose with these sort of long term thinker goals in mind. Absolutely. So, I'm I'm huge you can spend fan. the you can spend the rest of the time in the show now unpacking that part for me. <laughs> oh, definitely, John. I, I think you've put your, your finger on something really important, which is the fact that, you know, people sometimes wonder, oh, how do you do this and this and this? But the, the truth is, the question we always have to ask ourselves is if I am doing something one time, right. how do I make it count more than one time? How do I make it count yep, yep, 10 yep. times? Right. And you might not get it up to 10 times, but if you can make it count two or three, you are so far ahead of, of everything because it it is so much easier to repurpose 
uh, a thing that you've done in small ways. Maybe it takes, you know, 10 or 20% additional effort, but it gets you 2x of the result because, you know, you've shared the content on a different channel or you've reached a new audience through it or something like that. Um, it's, uh, it's extremely powerful. And in fact, in my book, Stand Out, one of the techniques that I suggest, which you uh, were just speaking to, is something like podcasting because it actually kills three birds with one stone. One is networking because you get to meet interesting new people. The second is is professional development because you're learning new things yeah. from these people. You're sharpening yourself. And third is it's content. And so it yeah. gives new people a way to discover you. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've had a guest on and it's, I don't know how to do X. I'm going to have this guest on so they can tell me for 20 minutes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's it, your yeah. own private tutorial. It does. And just the amount of books that I dive into in order to do an interview, you know, like this, I mean, that you really are forcing yourself. You're giving yourself, it allows you to keep up at things when they sometimes feel like a drain because you've got that leverage. It's like, but this is worth and continuing to do because of X. So one of the, I, I, I lied. I said you could unpack that for your last one. But the last thing I want to talk about is your keys for, to entrepreneurial success. And I, all three of these words hit me very strongly. Independence, curiosity, and resilience. So tell us how we can use those three tools. Yeah, thank you for, for highlighting that, John. Ultimately, in writing the long game, I was... At the end of the process, I was thinking through what are the common strands? What's the common denominator between all of the pieces of what it takes to to play the long game? And these were the three that, that I, I really felt were the most important and most salient. Independence is key. Independence of mind. Because it's so easy for, for so many people to just go with the crowd, go with the flow, and they accept other people's goals rather than thinking of their own. And it's it might be expedient in the moment, but of course... It creates a real problem 20 or 30 years down the road when you say, oh, gosh, I optimized for the wrong thing. It's not the destination <laughs> I wanted. So independence matters. Curiosity matters because that, that's the spark for everything that gets you asking the questions. It gets you motivated to look in the right direction so that you can find your own North Star. And then finally, it's resilience because the whole point of the book is that success, you know, it, occasionally i'm not going to say that overnight success never happens right. but it very rarely happens yeah, yeah, and yeah. so if we want to get there there's going to be plenty of gatekeepers that say no to us there's going to be plenty of times when we get turned down rejected fired blocked whatever it is and you're not going to win if you pack up and say oh wow i guess they're right i guess i'm not good enough sorry yeah. f them yeah. who says yeah. you're not good enough they don't they're not the, the the arbiter of the universe and so we need to pull ourselves back up because if you are resilient and you are high quality somebody's going to see that we just need to keep pushing and that you you talked about that idea of the experimental mindset you've got to that takes resilience like crazy because you you have to now say instead of that didn't work it's like what did i learn <laughs> and from that experiment and move on so i wholeheartedly agree with all three of those words so dory it was great having you stop uh, by once again in the duct tape marketing podcast you want to share what's the best way for people to learn more about your work and obviously pick up a copy of the long game 
I appreciate it, John. Thank you so much. For folks who are interested in the questions around strategic thinking and playing the long game, I actually have a, a free resource, which is the the long game strategic thinking self-assessment. And it's a series of questions that actually helps guide you around strategic thinking around your life and career. And folks can get it for free at doryclark.com slash the long game. Okay. You couldn't come up with an acronym or something. For, you know, That was a mouthful, the long-game strategic <laughs> thinking assessment. So awesome. Doria, it was always great catching up uh, with you. And uh, hopefully uh, I'm going to be in New York in the fall. Maybe uh, maybe we can bump into each other in real life again one day. I would love it. I still think so fondly about our pre-COVID dinner when, yeah. when you had your last book launch, John. Yeah, so yeah, I would that'll... love to do it again. All right. Let's make it happen. Take care. All right, so that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And you know we love those reviews and comments. And just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the duct tape marketing system, our system, to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right. Check out the duct tape marketing consultant network. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that offer our system to your clients tab. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.